Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity entitled, Is it time to change your treatment strategy for type 2 diabetes patients with CV risks? is provided by Prova and is supported by an independent educational grant from Merck. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Welcome to Clinical Countdown. I'm Dr. Chris Cannon. I'm Dr. Sam Together Jack. Well, in this discussion, I'm the bumbling cardiologist, and I know little about diabetes other than it's really important, and I need to get myself up to speed. And so I'm looking forward to talking with you about getting myself up to speed. All right, Chris, nice try. You're self-deprecating humor, calling yourself a bumbling cardiologist does not impress me. I know you're a smart guy, but you're not an endocrinologist, that's for sure. Indeed, indeed. Well, that's why we're here today on Clinical Countdown in the Type 2 Diabetes Edition. We'll be taking a look at the latest data from the ADA and focusing on the appropriate use of SGLT2 inhibitors in reducing cardiovascular risk in Type 2 diabetes. So are you ready, Sam? You bet I am. All right. Well, I think first off, we'll talk about the risk of patients with diabetes. And we often think about the cardiovascular complications, and I always think of, of uh, myocardial infarction, but that's not the whole story. What else do we need to think about? Well, as you know, Chris, patients with type 2 diabetes have several comorbidities that increase their risk for heart disease. They do have a high prevalence of hypertension, dyslipidemia, especially low HDL, high triglycerides, and small dense LDL particles. So these background risks do set them up for myocardial infarction, but nearly 50% of people with diabetes are at risk for heart failure. So heart failure is an important cardiovascular morbidity that tends to get forgotten amidst the uh, excitement and gimmickry that goes around opening up clogged arteries and heart attacks and MI, but heart failure quantitatively is, a, is as great a burden, if not greater, than uh, myocardial infarction in people with diabetes. Well, it's very true that beyond MI, heart failure is a huge issue, and I've also come to appreciate that renal dysfunction and, and advancing renal disease is another key thing to to focus on, even for me as, as a cardiologist. And one of the things I've really liked is that the new guidelines in the last year or two from the ADA call us out to say, look at the patient profile. Do they have ASCVD? Do they have heart failure? Do they have chronic kidney disease? And you know that has been a really wonderful change in the approach. How, how has that been received in the endocrine community? I think it's been embraced uh, very enthusiastically because it does provide a clearer roadmap as to what to do with our patients with diabetes. I mean, the diabetic patients have a two to fourfold increased risk of cardiovascular disease, a stroke, and heart failure. Yet uh, the guidelines have been less than specific in uh, giving uh, clear directions. But right now, a history of prevalent atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, kidney disease, or heart failure it makes a patient eligible for uh, early consideration of use of certain drug classes that have randomized controlled trials evidence that they offer additional benefit beyond glucose lowering. Well, you know, it's really nice to see that the focus is shifting 
really less on glucose lowering. It used to always be just the hemoglobin A1C, but now it's really shifting towards using different classes and how we lower the glucose. Do you want to touch on, on this uh, class, the SGLT2 inhibitors? Yes, this is a fascinating class. Uh, as you know, people with uh, diabetes uh, excrete large amounts of glucose in the urine. In fact, ancient testing mechanisms involved testing the urine. Thank goodness we now don't have to mess with urine to know the exact blood glucose levels. However, that mechanism of glucose elimination in the urine has provided a, a therapeutic strategy where in people with uh, type 2 diabetes, uh, would you believe that some of the glucose that has already been filtered from the blood and destined for elimination in urine get taken back by some receptors? The sodium glucose co-transporter type 2 receptors take back 90% of the filtered glucose in the proximal uh, kidney tubules. So drugs that block that reabsorption help the body get rid of excess sugar. And those drugs uh, belong to the SGLT2 inhibitor family. And uh, so the expectation was that they would help improve glucose control. But long-term randomized controlled cardiovascular outcome trials now give us almost uh, an unexpected additional benefit, showing that uh, they do reduce body weight, they decrease blood pressure, and now members of the class have uh, repeatedly and uh, very in a very reinforcing manner demonstrated that they reduce cardiovascular risks, particularly heart failure hospitalizations. So we can take this information solidly to the bank that as a class, these drugs are good for reducing the risk of heart failure hospitalization. So let's get down to results and review some of the data. Chris, you're very familiar. In fact, you are in the uh, committee that uh, presented these data at the ADA meeting on the latest SGLT2 inhibitor cardiovascular outcomes trial. I believe the name of that trial was Virtus CV. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the design and key results? Well, certainly. This was the fourth agent to be tested in a cardiovascular trial, patients with documented atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. The agent ertagliflozin at one of two doses versus placebo, looking primarily for cardiovascular safety. And we didn't see, indeed, non-inferiority, so demonstrating the, uh, the cardiovascular safety. Then looking for superiority, we found some trends, but not significant reduction in cardiovascular death or hospitalization for heart failure as a combined endpoint, but hospitalization for heart failure alone was 30% lower. And there's also a trend towards reduction in worsening renal dysfunction and, and significant improvements in the EGFR. And so really similar type findings has been seen in the other CV outcomes trials, although some of the p-values weren't as, as strong as in, in prior trials. Interesting. So in addition to the Virtus CV, which happens to be the latest trial among the SGT2 inhibitors, uh, there are other trials that uh, have been conducted uh, with uh, members of the class. I recall studies like Declare Timmy, uh, Credence, Amparag, which was, I believe, the earliest of these studies. Would you say that uh, there is a, a trend toward the class effect among members of these uh, SGLT2 family with regard to reducing cardiovascular risk? Well, this was a really nice uh, analysis that Darren McGuire led, a formal meta-analysis of all the prior big trials. And 
the pattern was very similar to what we saw in CV versus the overall meta-analysis. And so in that, there was a reduction in MACE of about 10%, so uh, CV death and Meyer stroke, and then also a reduction in heart failure that was very consistent, about a 30 to 35% reduction. Cardiovascular death alone had a very slight trend, but overall across the five trials lower, and then improvement in kidney function also improved. So really substantial benefits across many different clinical endpoints of this class of drugs and largely similar across all the different agents in in the different trials. I do agree that the meta-analysis do uh, support uh, class effect. And uh, as I recall, for MACE events, the pooled estimate would be an expectation that risk would be reduced by about 10-15% and a a comparable range of about 10% pooled uh, risk reduction for CV death and a a whopping 30% risk reduction for heart failure. So these are very reassuring uh, and consistent data. So the question is, given these benefits demonstrated by members of the class, how aggressive should we really be when starting patients on SGLT2 inhibitors because of uh, their diabetes management? Well, this is, I think, a, a, what I've come away as a call to action that, you know, again, as my bumbling cardiologist, I need to get involved. I've traditionally not said, oh, but go see your primary care doc or you'll follow up with... But, you know, here there are benefits on all these different cardiovascular endpoints. And so with this scene in all these trials that it says, you know, we've got to start doing this on each patient who comes to us. All right, Sam. So now we're moving into our lightning rundown. So we'll each have 60 seconds to talk about uh, key topics. And you're up first. So the topic is how do we solve the collaborative care model amongst us all? With regard to optimization of cardiovascular health in patients with diabetes, the collaborative care model is the best approach. It involves the use of a structured, multi-component, multidisciplinary, evidence-based approach to select and uh, optimize certain drugs that would deliver uh, significant uh, risk reductions. So SGLT2 inhibitors have been shown to decrease weight, blood pressure, uh, blood glucose, and cardiovascular uh, risk. Therefore, the question is, we should prescribe it. And I think that uh, decision support and uh, a collaborative team with the primary care physician engaging the endocrinologist and cardiovascular specialist should all lead to early realization that exposure of people at risk to SGLT2 inhibitor is the best way to lock in the long-term benefits of reduction in cardiovascular outcomes. Well, for the SGLT2 inhibitors, the effects and the side effects that have been seen really do seem to be similar across the entire class with just slight variations. So interestingly, there isn't much of a reason to choose one agent over another, I don't think. But the key is to choose the class. There are lots of patients who will benefit from this, having atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, heart failure, chronic kidney disease. That's like two-thirds of our cardiology practice, of course, in patients with diabetes, that we really have to think about how can we add this in a collaborative way uh, to the care of our patients. 
Excellent. And I believe that in light of uh, the current body of evidence, guideline writers set up pay heed and uh, make sure that the guidelines are uh, up to date. I can predict or I do foresee that there will be a reinforcement of the current practice of segmenting our diabetic patients very early on to those who already have evidence of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, prior history of heart failure or chronic kidney disease, so that such people can have early exposure to uh, treatment with medications that have been demonstrated to reduce those risks. I think that will be an important uh, reinforcement of uh, existing guidelines. It may also be that since the DAPA-HF showed evidence of uh, risk reduction in heart failure and death in people who did not even have diabetes, consideration may be given to an even more proximal introduction of these agents, people with diabetes, without waiting for them to actually have had an event, a cardiovascular event. I think that may be a direction to consider. Well, this has been a really fun discussion, Sam. So what would be your one key takeaway? The key takeaway is that uh, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, heart failure, and chronic kidney disease are intertwined, mutually reinforcing uh, comorbidities, and parsimonious approach in selecting drugs that hit many of these targets while lowering blood glucose would be smart medicine. Well, my key takeaway is that I've got to get with it, and it's time to implement all of these terrific benefits. And so each patient with diabetes who I see, I have to risk stratify and really try and work in a collaborative way to get these beneficial treatments to them. So that's it. We're out of time. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, until next time. Bye. You have been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Prova and is supported by an independent educational grant from Merck. To receive free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com prova. Thank you for listening.